0: Wake up wake 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 up. Wake up Wake up Hello from my Ram Cave and welcome to the Greatest Show on Grass podcast. I'm your host and ringmaster Joshua Newman. The Greatest Show on Grass explores the past, present, and future of the recently reborn Los Angeles Rams. The Rams are heading to the UK this week to take on the New York Giants and Jenoris Jenkins who spent four years playing for the Rams in St. Louis. We're dedicating this, our 20th episode of The Greatest Show on Grass, to the man who wears number 20 for the Giants. But first, let's talk about Sunday's game against the Detroit Lions at Ford Field. As you probably know, the Rams slid to 3-3 three and three after a disappointing 31-28 loss to the Lions. As per after every other loss this season, Rams fans demanded changes, specifically three of them. One, to fire head coach Jeff Fisher. Two, to insert Jared Goff at quarterback. And three, to go back to the old school uniforms. Though these demands come from a good place, the desire to see a championship caliber team that pays tribute to the Rams-Los Angeles heritage. They are, in my mind, desperate and futile. We've been saying this since the preseason. The Rams are not a good team. They were 7-9 and nine last season, and unless Jared Goff is ready to take the field sometime soon, and I unfortunately don't think he is, they didn't improve a single position by the draft or free agency this past offseason. Their best personnel move was erasing an earlier personnel move, i.e., releasing butterfingered tight end Jared Cook. Could the Rams be four and two this year? Sure, uh, but they could also be two and four. Firing Jeff Fisher, putting Jared Goff in at quarterback, or going from Millennium Blue and New Century Gold to Royal Blue and Yellow aren't going to improve things. The Rams are a middling team with middling personnel. Thankfully, it's a middling league, so they still have a not-impossible chance at the postseason. If that sounds fatalistic and dire, well, here's something good that came out of Sunday's loss to the Lions. Whether it's the result of their own maturation, defenses paying them scant attention, or the influence of new Rams wide receivers coach Mike Groh, For the first time in years, the team seems to have two competent wideouts. Kenny Britt caught seven balls for 136 yards and two touchdowns against the Lions and is on pace for 1,312 yards this season. Britt has turned into a go-to guy. His one-handed 47-yard catch was no less than stunning. And on the other side of the field, believe it or not, Brian Quick, finally, is playing the kind of football the Rams expected from him when they made him the first pick in the second round of the 2012 draft. Quick has eight catches in his last nine targets and is regularly tallying yards after the catch. Both Britt and Quick are free agents at the end of the season. And with the Rams just giving Tavon Austin a four-year contract extension for $42 million, it's hard to imagine both returning to the team next year. It'd be a shame, however, to see Brit and Quick leave, just as we were finally getting to know them. But such is fate sometimes, as we learn in our next segment. That was Kodak Black. In case you're wondering about today's musical selections, we're playing the favorites of Janoris Norris Jenkins. Earlier, you heard Boozy Badass, and later, you'll hear Future. When your favorite player joins another team, it's a painful process that takes you along a path not unlike Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's stages of grief, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and finally, acceptance. In any other season, I probably wouldn't be as far along to accepting that Janoris Jenkins is no longer a Ram. And the last thing I'd want to do is spend an entire episode honoring him and bringing back painful memories. But this is no ordinary season, and with the Rams returning to L.A., it makes it easier to talk about uncomfortable things. Hell, I could probably wax nostalgic over Super Bowls 14 and 30 sticks and still find myself in a good mood, six picks after selecting Brian Quick" in the 2012 NFL draft, the St. Louis Rams selected a cornerback out of North Alabama. St. Louis Rams legend Tory Hold made the official announcement that day. With the 39th pick in the 2012 NFL Draft, the St. Louis Rams select Janoris Jenkins. Defensive back, North Alabama. I was immediately elated as virtually every draft analyst believed that Janoris Jenkins was a first-round talent who had only slipped to the second round due to quote-unquote character issues. When you're a football fan, or at least a progressive football fan from a coastal city and under the age of 50, you take delight when your team selects someone with quote-unquote character issues. Basically, character issues are a euphemism for a guy you might actually want to hang around with, someone who likes to kick back, have fun, and do things other than quote Christ for fun. Selecting someone with character issues also means your team is receiving a gift. A talent only available because the buttoned-up corporate types making personnel decisions for teams selecting before you are either too prejudiced, too stupid, or too afraid of the public backlash from people who are too prejudiced or too stupid to draft him. Jenkins addressed his character concerns in a post-draft interview with ESPN that day. It's a fun interview to watch on YouTube, as you can see him struggling to pay attention and keep a straight face with his kids periodically jumping in and out of the frame. You've had some well-documented problems in the past, but what did you tell teams like the Rams to convince them to now take you? Uh, Basically, I was honest, you know, I told them, you know, I admitted to everything I did and that I learned from it. And you know, going to the division two was one of my reasons not, you know, going into the supplemental draft because I wanted to show teams that I wasn't a bad kid. What were Janoris Jenkins' character issues? Well, he was arrested as a sophomore in 2009 at the University of Florida for his involvement in a fight after someone tried to take his gold chain near a bar in Gainesville. Then, after deciding to return to the University of Florida for his senior year, he was twice arrested for marijuana possession. The second time, after the police said they found a marijuana cigar in the console of a vehicle he was sitting in. Jenkins was kicked off the Gators squad, which is how he got to North Alabama. Then there were the kids, he had four of them at the time, from three different women. Nobody was saying it at the time, but they were oh so subtly part of his character issues, so much so that Jenkins felt the need to address them, quote, everybody has kids. Where in the book do it say that you can't have kids? It doesn't say that in the law. I'm a great father. I'm there whenever they need me. That quote was taken from the Palm Beach Post, which for some reason preserved Jenkins' grammar error, saying do instead of does, I guess for effect. By all accounts, Jenkins was a great father and a great teammate and, of course, a singular talent. But the NFL draft had constructed him as a character risk based on how he spoke, how he dressed, and who he hung with. In essence, he was being racially profiled. And so he slid in the draft. Even the Rams took Brian Quick, a little-known wide receiver from Appalachian State, before rolling the dice on Jenkins. The roll of the dice paid off. Jenkins brought to the Rams not just a cool-ass nickname, Jackrabbit, but also a sense of swagger and bravado. In 2013, he won the Carol Rosenblum Award as the Rams' most outstanding rookie. After tying the NFL rookie record with three interceptions, returned for touchdowns. Still, his off-the-field behavior was scrutinized, particularly... In April 2013, Instagram post in which he was decked out in New York Knicks gear with accompanying text, Strip club ready, solo. But whatever was imagined about Jenkins' character never intruded on his play. In 2014, he was voted to the Pro Bowl as an alternative, and in 2015, his best season as a Ram, clamp season as he liked to call it on social media pro football focus rated him as the 25th best cornerback in the nfl it was july of 2015 that he shared this from his instagram account oh my god i f-ing love f-ing l.a oh my god i fucking love fucking l.a In a Reddit AMA before the 2015 NFL draft, Todd Gurley had said if he could choose any city to play in, he would choose L.A. But that was before he was selected to play for the Rams and before the Rams to L.A. talk had really picked up. Gurley wasn't talking about playing for any specific team in L.A., just playing in L.A. Jenkins, however sent love LA's way when St. Louis officials were desperately lining up land near the St. Louis waterfront for a last-ditch effort to save their team. What Jenkins said was less important than how he said it. First of all, it didn't seem spontaneous, but carefully choreographed, as if he were sharing a message with the world. Second, It wasn't captured in a sports setting. He wasn't on the field or in the gym. He was blinged out and wearing his grills like he was about to go out on the town. He was clearly thinking about what life would be like off the field in Los Angeles. And finally, he asserted in no uncertain terms a sentiment that nary a teammate had addressed to this point. From the perspective of a would-be Los Angeles Ram fan at the time, the Vine became a rallying cry. Even players who were toddlers when the Rams left Los Angeles, knew the team was destined to return from St. Louis exile. Of course, this past March, Janoris Jenkins signed a contract with the New York Giants for $62.5 million over five years. He would never put on a Rams uniform in Los Angeles. The Rams had a number of free agents to deal with last offseason, including fellow cornerback Tremaine Johnson. Perhaps they thought they couldn't afford two stars at the same position. Perhaps they thought Johnson was the better of the two. Or perhaps, considering Jenkins' off-the-field image, they decided to quit while they were ahead, ultimately giving in to the same sort of prejudice that helped Jenkins slide to the team in the first place. Jenkins wouldn't get to go on hard knocks or get talked about on Jimmy Kimmel Live or have waffles with Ryan Seacrest. He would become part of a group of stars who began their careers with the Rams, only to move on to other teams. Players like Dick Nitrane Lane, Norm Van Brocklin, Bill Wade, Jack Hacksaw Reynolds, Kevin Green, Jerome Bettis, and Kurt Warner. Soon after arriving in New York, Jenkins gave a press conference in which he explained the origins of his nickname, the Jackrabbit. Um, well, y'all know I'm from the muck, uh, Polk, Florida, near West Palm Beach. And um, you know, growing up I always chased rabbits. And when I got to Florida, um I didn't really know the plays, you know, and my coach saw that I was just moving everywhere and moving fast, so he just started calling me Jack Rabbit. The city Jenkins grew up in, Pahokee, located on the shore of Lake Okeechobee, in the Florida heartland is widely known as the muck due to its mineral-rich dark soil, which provides ideal conditions for growing sugarcane. But after the sugarcane gets harvested, rabbits tend to scurry from the fields. Quote, If you catch a rabbit and clean it, you can get $3 for it. If you don't clean it, It's like $2. It's a good hustle for one rabbit, Jenkins told the Gainesville Sun when he was in his first year of college. Jenkins' nickname works, I think, not only because of his ability to break and explode to the ball like a hopping rabbit, but because it harkens to a moment in his childhood when he realized that with the right patience and physical commitment, he could make a few bucks. Perhaps Janoris Jenkins is better off in New York City, where he can play in the shadows of Eli Manning and Odell Beckham Jr., and where the Jets are the tabloid's object of derision. But even since arriving in New York in March, the media has already made light of Jenkins' off-the-field image with some unsavory coverage. The New York Post, for instance, wrote a snarky story about his, well, now five children with four different women. It's a blessing to me, Jenkins defended himself, because you got to look at it. i got five kids. I'll be there for my five kids. I can take care of my five kids. I could see if I wasn't able to be there, I wasn't able to be around, then it would be a problem, but I don't have those type of problems. Jenkins doesn't have those type of off-the-field problems, and through six games this season, hasn't had many on-the-field problems either. He locked down Dallas's Des Bryant in the season opener, intercepted Green Bay's Aaron Rodgers in Week 5, and has played at a high-level all season. Quote, With all due respect to the other corners in the league right now, Jeff Fisher said this week, it's hard to find one that's playing better than he is. I'm not going to lie. When I wake up this Sunday morning to watch the Rams play the Giants at Twickenham Stadium in London, I'll look forward to Kenny Britt getting Jenkins to bite on a double move and Todd Gurley hurtling over Jenkins in the open field. And following this game, I likely will pay a lot less attention to Janoris Jenkins than I will the other corners who still play for the Rams. But I don't think I'm going to get rid of my Rams jersey with Janoris Jenkins' name and number on it. If rooting for the Los Angeles Rams has taught me anything the past 21 years, it's that you can still love players when they play in another city. Thank you for listening to the Greatest Show on Grass podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and spread the word to Rams fans in your life. Whether they've been rooting for the team for 30 years or 30 days. Stand up in the motor bus,